you can tell a, 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 a good dog as well by the owner. Do you think if, so? Yeah. If, if someone's walking along with a dog, I assume it's nice. If they're walking along with a dog, they've got a shirt off and they're drinking special brew, I assume the dog's dangerous. <laughs> if the owner doesn't care about his front teeth, right, not being there, he doesn't care about the dog. This week on Walking the Dog, I went out for a stroll on Hampstead Heath with the ridiculously talented comic, actor, writer, director and singer. OK, maybe singer's pushing it the legendary Ricky Gervais. It was actually pouring down on the day we met, so I felt terrible turning up at his house, dragging him out into the rain. I mean, the man's won seven BAFTAs, two Emmys and three Golden Globes, for God's sake. But fortunately, Ricky is so obsessed by dogs, he wasn't going to let the weather get in his way of a dog walk. The dog was a bit of a star in his own right, a beautiful German shepherd called Auntie, who plays Ricky's dog in the new show he's created and stars in for Netflix, called Afterlife, which is out today, by the way, March the 8th, and it's absolutely brilliant. I laughed, I cried, I even cry-laughed. It's so moving and it's really funny, so do check it out. Ricky is, just as you'd expect, hilarious company. We chatted about his childhood pets, Smokey the Cat and Lucky the Labrador, his mum's fabulously dark sense of humour. He told me about how he was scared of becoming famous initially and also why he thinks dogs are just the absolute best. And let's face it, he's not wrong. I loved my walk with Ricky and I hope you do too. And please check out Afterlife on Netflix because I know you'll really love it. Remember to rate, review and subscribe if you enjoy this. I'm going to hand over to the man himself now. Here's Ricky. Look at Auntie's face, Jane. Look. Good girl. Hello. Hello. Can I give Auntie a treat? Ricky, shall I give Auntie a treat? Yeah, give Auntie a treat. She's a bit suspicious of a treat she doesn't know. So she knows she's getting she's getting this good stuff now. Wait, darling. Look, I can't believe her face. It's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, those ears. Right. She's beautiful. So, so Ricky, we're leaving your house. Yeah, in now. the rain. No. You've Annoying. got Auntie. Yeah. Come on, Auntie. Auntie is... Uh, no my leading lady in Afterlife. Well, we're going to talk all about Afterlife because I love it and I'm going to get that. This is your new show for Netflix. Yeah. And I want to get out of the way how much I loved it. Oh, thank you. Because I think it's horrible when people say, yeah, your new show, and then you're thinking, well, did you like it? But like, do you do it, even you feel that a sort of insecurity over projects. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's people come up to me in the street and they say, "Oh, I went to the gig last night," and then leave me hanging. I have to go. Oh, thank you. But they haven't said they liked it or not yet. So uh, yeah. Well, we're, I should. I haven't even introduced you, but I'm assuming that most people recognise your voice. This is Walking the Dog, and I'm with Ricky Gervais, and I'm so excited because we have a lovely dog called Auntie, who, as you were saying, is in Afterlife, your show, and Auntie. He plays a dog called Brandy in the show. Yeah. But what, Auntie, is he a German Shepherd? Yes. Um, she. She? Yeah. Ricky, I yeah. got the sex wrong. I know. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think she minds. And we've got Auntie's handler following us. Just in case, as uh, she's such a strong dog. So in the show, <laughs> yeah. I wanted her to be like a normal dog. I did. We, um, it, it's a. It's uh, you know she's she's trained and she yeah. does do things like that. But I just wanted to be a normal dog. Okay. So what do you mean for, a normal dog? As opposed to well, I didn't to... want to do tricks. There's yes. no tricks to evolve. You know, there's no. 
she doesn't have to be like she's doing anything clever. Yes. She's just around, she's in the house, I take her for walks. Right? But she's so strong, and it's, <laughs> she started acting like she wasn't at work. So sometimes she'd just be dragging me along. And I got told off by Ash, Did you? The, the owner and that? handler. Yeah, because he said, you're telling her she's a good girl when she isn't. But they're great, they're great. the company's great. And I, yeah. they, you know, I, 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 um, I, when I was looking for the dog, I, uh, I picked her out on looks, I admit it. <laughs> I picked her out. I picked her out on looks, like a like a man or a bride, right? But then she had the personality to back it up. Were you up late googling and Jane said, "What I, are you doing?" I again? fell in love with her immediately. Did um, you? Yeah. Why? Uh, because she's gorgeous. She's like a wolf, and she's real, and she's she is like a wolf, actually, Ricky. She's beautiful and alert. Uh, big ears sticking up. She's got there's a bit a hint of comedy, which I think <laughs> helps any dog. They can be beautiful. Yeah. Right. But there's got to be a hint of comedy. This um, is so true. Like Scooby-Doo. Uh, <laughs> and um, I met with the people and they... And they uh, she likes they were, you, I can I tell, because she's used to you. Exactly. And I'm very, I'm very conscious about using animals and anything. Um, I, you know, uh, so... Which way are we going to go, by the way, Ricky? I don't know. I'm Should we get across you. this? Am I allowed to say what part of London we're in? Yeah, I think so. We're I think they Well, the newspapers would call it London's leafy Hampstead. Yes. And um, it's beautiful around here. It is beautiful. It's gorgeous, um, eclectic, bohemian. I've heard you say, you know, you've talked about doing all right for yourself and being able to move here, and it's very different to where you grew up, isn't it? Yeah, and just a bit. I grew up in um, a council estate in Reading called... Um, Thank you. Whitley. Come on, uh, Auntie. We're crossing the road now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, son of an immigrant labourer. My dad was Canadian and he joined, he joined the art, wait, he volunteered for the war. Yeah. Uh, met my mum and had uh, my older brother, I think, uh, 44, my sister, 46, and my brother, 1950, and then I came along 11 years. You were a mistake. Years. She told me that. <laughs> my mum told me that, yeah, uh, 1961. So uh, your parents met in the war, Ricky, didn't they? Yeah. Amazing. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I heard years ago your mum talking on when you did a show on XFM. Your mum, she rung in, or I, I, I remember used that. And I, I heard used to phone her, and, I, <laughs> and then I, halfway through the conversation, when I, when she'd go on a rant or something, or talk about something, I'd say I'm recording. She went, "You, you little bleeder." I thought you sounded. I could really see similarities in your humour. I'm not saying you stole her material. No, but no. Her comedic stick seemed to be very much. Oh, you are disgusting. Yeah. Oh, you're... Oh. Yeah. And that's... I thought, oh, God, that's what sort of Ricky does, really. It's sort of faux outrage sometimes. Yeah, and she'd laugh. I think, I think she had those... Um, when I was first did the 11 o'clock show, so I had a little bit of telly, so she was alive to... She didn't see The Office, but she was alive to see me on telly a bit. Was she and excited? So she was, but obviously... Um, <laughs> she had mixed feelings. <laughs> I remember I went home once... <laughs> And uh, the neighbour was there, she went, here, here he is, he's the one who's on the telly. And then, and then she said, I didn't teach him to swear like that, I think it's disgusting. <laughs> so, you know, it's a real backhanded compliment. Did you have pets growing up? Yeah, always. Did you? Always. So what did you have? A, um, uh, the pets were a member of the family. Really? Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely, they're a member of the family. Uh, we okay? Yeah. Do you know, Auntie Sandler, Ricky, just gave you a lovely thumbs up behind your back. And oh, like, isn't that lovely? It's like someone leaving you a nice review without you see it anonymously. I know. That's because I, I, I'm, 
and is walking along like a lovely good girl good in the girl. rain in leafy Hampstead. Uh, so I think I, my, my f earliest memory was a, a, a grey cat called Smokey and it died when I was quite young because it was already old and I was like four or five. Yeah. And then my mum used to sing on top of old Smokey to me to make me cry, like a little party trick. On top of old smoke, I <laughs> and I'd go, I'd go, I'd be destroyed. And then um, we got a cat called Paddy, and that was my first cat that I remember getting yeah. and living his life out. And uh, uh, I'd, I'd love that. And then uh, um, my first dog, again, I acquired a dog called Betsy, which was a little fat fox terrier yeah. that died when I was young. And then I got uh, Lucky, which again was my dog from the age of like eight to... Uh, I like these uh, names because they very much root them in time. Because yes, lucky, smoky. Yeah. People the, don't call it that anymore, do no, they? No, I know. No, exactly. Yeah, lucky was a black Labrador. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember uh, when Lucky uh, died, um, she was put down because she had a tumour. Mm. Right? And I think she was ill. And uh, I remember I came in from school, I think it was about, I don't know, 16, 17. My mum was crying. And I went, what's the matter? My mum went, your dad's dead. And I went, oh, really? She went, no, 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 lucky. Lucky's dead, right? Right, so I thought, well, that was a weird joke, right? <laughs> then my dad comes in, and my mum goes, I told him you was dead, he didn't cry. So it was a double whammy. It was like, uh, does this explain anything? Does this explain anything to you? <laughs> right, right uh, I had to fight for my rights. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, baptism of fire with sort of humour and, and sort of growing a pair and uh, having, having nothing upset you. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, why, that's why it's pretty hard to offend me with words. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and was that very much the dynamic when you were growing up then? Because you were the youngest and your parents were obviously a lot older than you. Yeah. And, you're, and you're, you had elder brother, you had Bob and Marsha and, and Larry. Larry. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they were they were gone by the time I was um, sort of eight, nine. And I think my mum actually was worried about me being spoiled because it was more like I was an only child suddenly. Yes, so yeah. she fostered people, so I, I wasn't an only child. Did you? And, yeah, to make me share and deal, you know. I think and, that's amazing. And I was already at school and everything. I think that's something very extraordinary about those people, you know, Ricky. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was good and. Um, and then my nephews, like my oldest nephew, is eight years younger than me, so I was I, I, I was close I was closer to my nephews, of which they're about and, and nieces, they're about thirty. Um, <laughs> but pets were a member of the family. I, I'm, I, that's another story. Where right? should we go now, Ricky? Should we just Following keep going you? down should there? Should we go down there? Yeah. yeah. I'm really sorry it's raining. I mean, I feel oh, like I'm right. apologising for it. But I've forgotten it already. Good. So yeah, so once right, um, the my cotton. brother Bob. He came over to my mum's house when I was still there, and uh, his two two of his kids came running in first, very yeah. excited. They're sort yeah. of like seven, eight at that time, right? And they're going, "Nanny, nanny, daddy punched a man in the face and knocked him over in the park." Right? My mum's horrified, thinking, "What's he done?" <laughs> so uh, he comes in. My mum goes, uh, "Do you punch a man in the face in the park?" He went, "Yeah." He kicked the dog, and my mum went, "All right." I love that justice. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, the dog's a member of the family. It's, I love. Don't <laughs> do that to my dog. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So did you? So now you don't have you and 
Jay and your partner, you don't have a dog, you have a cat. And yes. I'm assuming that's just because of your lifestyle, you're always travelling. Yeah, the cat. we've had the cat now 15 years, and because um, and I travel back and forth so much, and uh, you know, you can, you can let someone cats it, but I can't stand the look on a dog's face. So I think yeah. if you have a dog, you've got to be with it forever, you know? It's relatively got a, a little short life, and I just... Uh, you know, I cover other people's dogs. Do you? Genuinely, every day, whether we're in Hampstead or New York, we go for a walk in the park, either the Heath or Central Park, and I know all the local dogs by name. And if I meet a new one, <laughs> I can't believe my luck. I go out. If I haven't scruffled at least ten dogs, yeah. I, and I feel that I haven't... No, that's not Do a good day. I think about them. Like, I know that sounds a bit weird, but if I meet a dog... You know how if you meet a new person and you like them? I think about a dog like that. I think, yeah. oh... I know. Like, and it I, really stays with we me. We usually ask their name. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, we remember, like, dogs that, you know, that are dead now that we remember meeting in, like, Central Park or something. No, it's a... Uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're magical. I think... It, it, a happy dog makes you feel better. I, I, yeah. I reckon it must be... There must be something almost clinical. There because is. Because I feel better for the rest of the day. I've had my fix of a lovely dog who loved me back. I but can't I think... stand it when they ignore me. Oh. It's the worst oh, insult, isn't it? A lovely, beautiful dog, and, I'm, and it's just keep walking. It's got stuff to do, and I'm going, oh, come on. Come on. If there's a dog in front of us, right, and I'm like, I speed up. Jane says, you've sped up. I'm like, yeah, I know, I want to meet the dog. You're <laughs> fine. I think my dog is so cute, and I've already shown you a video of him. Oh, it's yes. quite weird. He's sort of like a Wookiee. I think he should be the star of Chewbacca, the early years. It does look He's like the some big hairy can... worm. Yeah. yeah, something from... Yeah, I love, I love that. If I'm walking down the street with him... And someone doesn't go, oh, my God, look at that dog. Oh, fucking right. I know. I feel you know that. I mean? If there's a group of dogs so. and one's getting the attention, I make sure I talk to the others. Like, they, like their feelings would be hurt. Like, it's a person. Like, ignoring a person at a party. I go, and oh, you're lovely too, and you're lovely too, and, yeah. Do you prefer dogs to people, Ricky? Well, it depends. It's like, it, de- it depends on the person, doesn't it? If, yes. If, if, uh, it depends on the dog as well. Yeah. If, uh, if uh, my dog... And my neighbour were drowning, and I could only save one. I better really fucking like that neighbour. <laughs> he better have never have annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, one of my favourite things, Freud, I think, said the difference between dogs and people is that dogs are very pure and simple in their emotions, so that dogs bite their enemies and love their friends. Yeah, it's so Whereas simple. humans don't. No, it's too complex. Humans isn't bite it? their friends. I know, <laughs> I know. Unless that uh, a dog is the only animal who loves you more than it loves itself. Oh, I love that. And that other thing, I love that uh, be the person your dog thinks you are. Oh. uh, Yeah, exactly. That was someone just rattling over the crossing. Didn't even look. I know. But that was... We're getting grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? The real real me round Hampstead. We were on a zebra crossing and they went past. Because it got to the heath. And she's so and strong. Are we, we allowed to take Auntie off the lead? Ricky, we, do you want we, to take Auntie yeah, off the lead? Yeah, we filmed a bit here and we went oh, to the pond this... and she dived in. Oh, there she goes. Look. She's off. Gorgeous. Look at her. So chucky. enthusiastic. Doesn't know, care about the rain. Look, I'm just following her nose and her ears. Look at that. She's so happy. That's a do- that is a dog that I'd show an alien. If they said, <laughs> what's a dog? I'd show her Auntie. Okay, that's what a dog is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Look at, the, look at the silhouette. It's yeah. just... Oh, look, she's got a stick. Oh, oh, good girl. Come here. Give me that stick. 
Auntie! I say that to any dog I see with the stick. They only sort of look at me thinking, why is he trying to nick the stick? Give me that stick! Auntie! Oh my God, you good, you good, Jesus Christ, Auntie. Oh my God. No, I got, oh God almighty. Oh, that's mad. This is like someone from Game of Thrones. It's a shame they can't see this. Good girl. Good girl. Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at her. It's like it's nothing, that stick. When we, uh, we finished the first Friday filming at the pond, we went there purposely so she could jump in because she'd been a good girl all day. I said, no, she can go to the pond, right? Yeah. And the crew, she picked up a stick. Uh, literally, stick. it was about 12 foot long, and she ran into the crew, and they were getting out of the way. She was like, <laughs> just... It was like some... Uh, from It's a Knockout, wasn't it, Auntie? I can't throw a stick, can I? No. You can't what? No, we, we had a fake one made so I could throw it in the Why show. Why can't we throw that Because it one? might stick in and it hurt their throat. Oh, yeah. Oh, good girl. That oh. makes you so happy, I can tell. It does. It, it... Do you know what, Ricky? I've got to say, it's, it's still... I mean, I've known you a long time. I met you, I think, about just around the time of the office, I think I met you and Jane. And you're exactly the same. Yeah, I've never really grown up. No. If I, if <laughs> I, was, I was nearly 40 then, so if I hadn't grown up then, it's not on the cards, is it? It's never... It's like um, it's people looking back going, oh, he was silly. He was 60 then. He was only 60. Now he's 85. He's a lot more sensible. Good girl. Um, uh, if they didn't know we were with a dog, just after each question, I'd go, good girl, good girl, good question. Um, um, uh, <laughs> really old chauvinist. Good girl. Yeah, that yeah, was the exactly, right yeah, kind yeah. of question. <laughs> um, I think it was. Uh, I think it is something to do with um, how old you are when you get famous, or how your life is when you get famous. I was already very, very stable. I knew who I was. You know. I yeah. think if I was 17, 18, that 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 would change you. Um, I think it was Oprah who said, um, "If you don't know." Uh, who you are by the time you become famous, it will define you. And that's so true. People who become famous and they don't know anything else, that's just, that's just their life. They think that is real life. Showbiz is real life. That's how people talk to each other. Well, it isn't. It yeah. just isn't. So um, I've always demanded a normal life outside it. And uh, uh, I feared fame as well. Did you? Yeah. Because I didn't want to be lumped in with those people who do anything to become famous. And I didn't do that thing, make me famous and you can go through my bins. No. I didn't sign that deal with the devil. And I sort of... And I was probably over-cautious, yeah. you know. <gasps> but look at this. Ricky, oh, can you describe Walker. what's happening here? We've uh, got four approaching... It looks like the men's hundred, the dog's 100 metres. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't it? Ben oh, Johnson, the, drugs cheat on the far left. Who are they? Oh, yeah. We've I've got... met these before. Hello. Hello. Hiya, how's it going? Good. All assorted dogs. Auntie, look. Yeah, so got, go on, so the same thing. Stick. You, um... um... Well, no, I was just very conscious of it, you know, and, I, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want people to think that that was why I did it. And I sort of learnt my lesson as a failed pop star, because <laughs> looking back, I oh, shouldn't have... Shona dancing. Exactly. I shouldn't have wanted to be a pop star. I should have wanted to be a writer, um, a musician. Why do you think you did want to be a pop star then? Because I wanted to be David Bowie. I was 18, yeah. 19, thought it was so cool. I, mean, I, I know I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to be a celebrity. I didn't want to be an no, artist and I wrote my own songs passage, and everything. That's a boys thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's um, a passion for music and it's sort of, yeah. Yeah, and I meant it. I, lo I know, I did, I, I love I music. But um, I suppose it's so frivolous, isn't it? Pop and being famous when you're 
uh, you, you don't think about that when you're 18, 19. But when you're like 39 and you're about to be famous, maybe, if the thing works, yeah. you want people to know that the fame is an upshot. It's not the aim. Well, you've always said that, haven't you? You've yeah. always said, you know, it's that do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life yeah. thing, which I know kind but of... But people don't believe you because people put so much emphasis and value into fame. Yeah. You know, even, even people who do anything to be famous who haven't got a skill, people, people go, well, I'll have a bit of that. If I can do it, I can do it. And they're sort of right. That's the problem, you know. Fame now is ten times worse than it ever was. Literally, people doing just living their normal lives, or worse, doing terrible things. There's no difference now between fame and infamy because you get rewarded for it. Yeah. You can do a terrible thing and then write a book about it. And there's your reward, you know. People living their life like an open wound. Celebrity enema, Jesus Christ. <coughs> what are you fucking doing? It's mad. It's mad. And, and presumably, because your fame happened as a result of... And your backstory is quite well documented, isn't it? Which is that... You went to university and yeah. you ended up working for XFM and then yeah. you ended up on the 11 o'clock. But actually going to university, Ricky, that, that was unusual for someone from your background, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess it was. Um, and uh, I think at the time it was like 6% working class. And I remember I went to do biology because I thought I got a full grant because we had no money. And I think subconsciously I thought, I'd better do some at vocation. And I love science, but yeah. I thought that would get me a job. And I got to university and I thought, hold on, I want to be a pop star. There's nine o'clock lectures, this is 40 hours a week, I don't want to do biology. <laughs> and I went along um, to the philosophy department and said, I want to change to philosophy. And uh, I think I was a bit of a quota fill, because everyone in philosophy was really uber posh. Yes, I can imagine that, yeah. So I went the along... The sort of hamstered kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went along like with a crew cut and terrible jeans and a dirty sweatshirt and they probably thought oh, this would be good we'll have him we'll have him <laughs> and i uh, i was signed before i did my degree but i still did it and did okay and you know i think i did that for my mum really did you i think so was she really proud when you what? Were you the first person to go to university? No, my you? older brother. Oh, Bob, the same yeah. as me. No, uh, Larry. Oh, Larry, sorry. Yeah. He, uh, he, got a, he got a full grant and went to university. So there's uh, something about your family, clearly. I will say this to Jonathan Ross. You know, that he came from relatively humble, sort of working-class beginnings. Yeah. And kids ended up going to university. And there's something there, I think. There's obviously... A genetic thing? Or? I think it's confidence and what's instilled yeah. in you because right. even though we had absolutely no money, uh, I think it was kept from us that we were poor because everyone was in the same boat and yeah. we had what we wanted because you don't realise till you're 13, 14, 15 that your mum's actually paying for it uh, on HP or something, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't have bikes and things like that, but I knew I could have any book. So... Uh, so you never felt shame? You never had that thing of, oh, you know how I think kids I feel now? I couldn't give a... I, I, uh, when they're exposed to... I never worried about what clothes I went to school in. I never worried about it. I worried about uh, learning and having a laugh. I loved, I loved learning and uh, I loved school because I mucked around. In fact, sometimes I got in trouble because uh, I remember lots of times my teacher, teachers in the report or some of my <laughs> mum saying about... Yeah, um, Ricky mucks around and he gets away with it, but some of the other children don't. So it made me feel really bad. Yeah, Like yeah. I'd done it as some sort of power play. 
Good girl. Give me that. You are such a good girl, Auntie. I love you. Um, uh, I'm just. Put, I, I'm, tie your laces up. I'm putting my. I have to. These days, I have to put my foot up on a bench to tie my shoelaces because my stomach gets in the way. I can't bend down because all my internal organs go up to my throat and I can't breathe. I. I was in New York the other week, right? And I put my foot up, right, to tie my shoelaces. And Jane had to push me in <laughs> so I could reach it because my stomach was, I was bloated. I must have just eaten. And look, it's going into the, the all the internal was going <laughs> to my throat like a frog. And I've only got a minute before I can't breathe. What sort of dog is this, Ricky? It's, a, it's definitely got a beagle in it and maybe it's a little beautiful. bit of basset. Is it? Yes. Gorgeous. 100% beagle. Is it 100% beagle? It's gorgeous. Okay, they're all different shapes and sizes. I mean, that's a short legged sort of long one. And then you get some that are really sort of quite rangy. With people, I don't know whether I like them or not, right? So they have to prove that to me. With a dog, I assume I like it, and then I'm always proved right. Uh, uh, it, it's like, you know. Yeah, they're, they're innocent. Until and you're right. They treat you as you treat them. If you get up and hurt a dog, it's going to hurt you back, hopefully. If you're nice to it, it's nice back. You can tell a, 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 a good dog as well by the owner. Do you if, think so? Yeah. If, 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 uh, if someone's walking along with a dog, I assume it's nice. If they're walking along with a dog, they've got a shirt off and they're drinking special brew, I assume the dog's dangerous. <laughs> if the owner doesn't care about his front teeth, right, not being there, he doesn't care about the dog. So that dog probably, <laughs> there's something wrong with that dog. <laughs> that suggests a lack of care. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the, the funny thing, when did you realise, Ricky, that was a currency for you? You know, I ask a lot of comics who do this podcast that, you know, that sense of... Five, six, seven, eight years old, I realised straight away it was currency because, you know, as a kid, you want, you want, you want other kids and people to like you. Mm. You, don't, you don't know why, but intuitively, of course you want people to like you because if you think about it, it's because you get away with more, you get an easier life, you have a fun life. Uh, so... So, just making someone laugh, that is a hell of a currency. And I was attracted to uh, the kids who uh, uh, made me laugh. I didn't care whose laughter it was, as long as we were, you know, uh, who made us laugh, as long as we were laughing. So, uh, I, I, I hung around people who were funny, not, not just me trying to be the funniest one. Um, so, uh, it, it's just because it was a nice, it's a nice day. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a day without laughter and dogs, and wine is a shit day. All those things. <laughs> I did that, um, uh, you know, the, uh, that Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire? Oh, did you? I yeah. did that, and they said, what's your idea of happiness? And I said, um, playing with a dog, we're both drunk. <laughs> My favourite questionnaire you've ever done is when they said, what would you save in a fire? And oh. you said, what was your answer again? Well, that was early days, right? And they said, three things you'd save in a fire. <laughs> so I said... Uh, my cat, um, my salamander. I said three. You say uh, she went. Yeah, I went. Uh, probably one of the twins, right? As obvious joke. She wrote that up. No, no irony, right? And then about six months later, someone said, "What are your twins' names?" I went, "What? I haven't got children." She went, "Oh, so I said, what you thought? I'd say the cat, the salamander, and then one of the twins. I haven't got kids." It's, that, it's like irony doesn't come across in print, and Twitter's approved that rule. Well, I was going to say, that really is a classic Twitter exchange, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's so funny because when I first got on Twitter, I'd do a joke and someone mm. would 
don't understand. I go, no, I mean so and so. And I'd spend the rest of the day explaining <laughs> the joke. Now I love it that people don't get the joke. Do you? Yeah, I love it. It makes me. I sometimes I do tweets on purpose that I know some people won't get. <laughs> just because it's like a test. I'm giving. I'm giving them an IQ test without them knowing. Do you? When you finish the office, then. I mean, that was because you know. Obviously, you didn't know how. What I hate is that we just passed someone at that point. And I was doing the most cliched interview. I like to think this is a bit different, but I was going, when you did the office, I know, and I feel that woman was judging me, thinking, yeah. she's still asking him about the office? <laughs> Self-conscious <laughs> people over here. One snippet <laughs> of your life out of context. Yeah. But that was the sort of, obviously, that was your hit me baby one more time moment in terms of the breakthrough. That's thing. exactly how I saw it. <laughs> that's exactly how I saw it. <laughs> did you... Because your life changed so dramatically, and you always said that's the piece of work that you looked at and thought, yeah, there's nothing I change about that. Well, it, is it, that true? Well, uh, I don't know about that. It was probably the first thing I tried my hardest at because I've been one of those kids. As I said, I could get away, I could pass exams without trying much because I could read at three. I was like a, a social experiment for my older <laughs> brothers and sisters. I could read at three, um, but then, uh, but then obviously. You know, uh, after all that, and the failed pop star, and then ten years working in an office, um, you, you, your attitude changes. And I think it's good to try. I think now, I don't think I, I think success. Part of success has to be you worked hard. Because if you didn't work for it, it's not success. You wouldn't say winning the lottery is success. Yeah. So I think that's I think, I think it has to be, and you appreciate it more. And um, I think it's because. Uh, I've never got anything for free. I've never had anything for free. Growing up, I didn't get anything for free. Um, uh, when I was on the dole, I didn't get any, and I did everything. But it was sort of my choice because I was trying to be a pop star, and I, you know, so it was my choice. Um, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, I am slightly proud that I've, I've earned every penny I have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah. you did it doing something you love. Well, and yeah, you're proud and of. that's, and of course. That looks like privilege, because people say, "Well, we'd all like to, we'd all like to make money in show business." And I think, "Well, we'll do it then." Um, it, it, yeah. Although I think do it then, but then I also think, Ricky, it's interesting. Things have got so out of control now, so that no one wants to work in Wernham Hall. Do you know what I mean? No one wants to drive the train. Or... Well, because they see people not working very hard. Like you know, on X Factor, people go in there and they get they've got their little human interest story. They go, I want this so bad. You know, go, what's that got to do with me? What's that, well, well, what? This is begging. This is begging. <laughs> well, we don't, they there just... Are, there are no doctors. We don't need another singer. We don't, we, 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 we don't, do we? Uh, Hello. Why don't they just strip it down of all the uh, sort of window dressing and just call it begging? Yeah, they should just exactly, call the show, yeah. I beg. TV begging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please vote for me, because I want this so bad. <laughs> so we're in, um, we're on the Heath now. We're in the and middle actually... of nowhere, on the Heath, which uh-huh. is one of my favourite places in the world. Do you like, do you like being alone, Ricky? I, I come over every day. Do you? I run, yeah, we, we walk and scruffle dogs, and then later I come out for a run. You come with Jane? In all weather, yeah, walk with Jane, then I run by myself for 40 minutes, and that's the time I can really sort of think. I always come back, I've always, I write when I'm running and on planes. Because so the rest of the day, when you're, when you're writing, right, or, or doing something, you know, if I'm not actually literally filming and directing something, or on stage, you know, it, 
um, my day is creating and writing and all that stuff. But of a six hour day that I might work, which is rare, <laughs> five hours of that is admin. Because I do, it's just admin. The yeah. more you do, the more admin there is. Yeah. Um, and because I, I can't do one project at a time, I haven't got that sort of brain, I'm, I'm doing four things at once. Right. I'm writing something, I'm promoting something, I'm working a new show live, you know. Uh, uh, so, and with that, um, so, you know, I create more work for myself, if you know what I mean. But I'm not moaning. But you don't sit I down at nine and say, I'm in the office and now I'm here all day. No, I never do that. No. No. Um, I, I sort of do it where it takes me. If it's not something formal, as I say, like filming or I've got a gig or a tour or something, um, uh, I, uh, I dabble and think about stuff. Because mm. that, that's when you connect. If you, if you, you I, I, I resent typing <laughs> stuff in. Yeah, because it's put in, it, it's, you're not thinking about the right things. Yeah. You shouldn't be thinking about structure and grammar you should be looking up at a ceiling thinking about feeling stuff you know um i can't type as fast as i think and that annoys me look 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 at the heron look at that wingspan just i think that was it just saw auntie and it just it just put like 100 yards between it and the dog you see with my dog raymond it's the exact opposite dynamic that the bird sees raymond and thinks i'm having that yeah exactly i could take that off Apparently they do that Auntie, sometimes. You're such a prey. good girl. Oh, you're such a good girl. Auntie. Yeah, there's uh, seagulls have taken little chihuahuas and stuff. Well, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. To prey do that. Catherine Ryan was saying when she was a kid in Canada, there was a I think an eagle carried off her friend's chihuahua. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I remember seeing thinking that. My my dad sort of towards the end, he's in his eighties. He was about like like eight stone, yeah. like tiny little one. And uh, once. We uh, went round to see him, right? And uh, the cat was having a go at him, and the cat, he'd picked up a chair to keep the cat from him. It was like a lion tamer. And my brother was going, watch, he's going to get him by the neck and take him up a tree in a minute. Because he was so tiny. (laughs) Like this cat just getting my dad and dragging him up a tree like a leopard. (laughs) He's off, the heron's off. The heron's gone. Prehistoric. Yeah, so afterlife, Ricky. Yeah. I, I really, I didn't just like it. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. And I think the, it really surprised me. And I think those are the things that you end up liking more. You know, it's things that. What was that? Who's that? Oh no, there's another dog, Ricky. Oh. Come on. Auntie doesn't care about other dogs. Yeah, but what's this it? dog? No, he's all right. He's got ideas. He's uh, he's just a hello, 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 oh, hello. Hello, good boy, come here. You know what I love? He avo- he just ran straight past the global superstar and went straight that's to why I love, Auntie. That's, that's why, why I like I love it. it. Exactly. It's like my family. Yeah. They don't treat me don't give a shit. any differently. They, they still look down on me. Oh. Okay. Look at that little... What are you? Little, like I feel so safe with our with dog a little, bit of beagle, a little bit of um, spaniel. Look at that. Oh, look at Auntie. Auntie's so... Auntie's oh. like a pony, isn't it? It's like a horse. Big, you big girl. <laughs> oh, God. Look at that face. Hello. Look at, look at the eyes, Ricky. So strong. Honestly, they're so strong. Jane got me a present um, one year, Walking With Wolves. And what, do you... Oh, shut up. Near Reading, right? No. You've never seen anything like it. 
that we had to we had to read up on it and then they said to us when you meet the wolves keep your don't make a fist don't show them the fingers don't have don't have any like you know leather or anything it's on it's like meeting Ross Kemp exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, don't have food uh, you know and honestly this big one came along I mean twice the size of Auntie <gasps> at Torak and he came up and he put his paws on my shoulders and started licking my face and I was going is that okay they were going yeah it's good he likes you you like, don't worry. And it was unbelievable. And they'd just been telling us that it's got five times the biting power of a Rottweiler and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're, ama- they're amazing. Oh. All animals are unconditionally yeah. perfect and beautiful, but there's something special about dogs. Yeah, there really is. There's something emotional about dogs. They've, they've, they've got our brain, they've got empathy. Well, I found personally, and this is what I was saying about your show, I found, I found it really affecting, I think, because one of the, it's about a guy called Tony, yeah. and he loses his wife, yeah. who's played by an absolutely brilliant actress who you work with a lot, don't you? Kerry, Kerry Godleman. Godleman. Yeah. And I don't want, there's certain bits I don't want to give away, actually. Well, you, that doesn't give anything away, because it, start, no, you know, that it hits the ground running. You, but see, you see her obviously going through chemotherapy, and yeah. she's, she's made a video diary, and she says, um, if you're watching this, I'm not around anymore. Yeah. I couldn't say this to your face. Um, yeah. And then, she, then the joke is that she's leaving him how to live, like really sort of mundane things, like how to fill the dishwasher and yeah. Um, and then that develops, obviously. Uh, but he's, he's, you know, uh, he. And part of it, part of his sort of trajectory and journey, is obviously it's him coping with it and coping with sort of grief and loss. And you know, in a way, I found that quite touching because it felt like. And I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it was quite a male, a way that men, I think, are sometimes conditioned to not express emotion. So it comes out with him as anger at the world, really. Well, he could cope with anything when she was alive, and it's, yeah. it, she was everything to him. Yeah. And now she, he thinks, what's the point? What's the point? And he's angry, and he's, he's grief-stricken, obviously, and he nearly commits suicide, but the dog's hungry. And again, that's sort of a joke, but I think if you were going to end it all and the dog was hungry you feed the dog yeah. i mean i would i think i better feed the dog and so it's the, and it's all about that it's about the mundanity and the things you have to do yes keep you alive long enough to maybe get better well why i loved the show i mean there's all sorts of reasons i love the show i thought it was such brilliant performances and so beautifully written but i think i also like the fact that it wasn't it wasn't a fret, it was brave as well, and it paid off. Do you know what I mean? Because you went into areas that were... Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes he, people are frightened of going into, and I... Well, I mean, because the character had to. Yeah, exactly, that character yeah. had no to lose, so he was trying stuff to make him feel better. He's basically trying to turn himself into a psychopath so he doesn't yeah. feel anymore. But you can't. If you're not a psychopath, you can't become one. And he's burdened with conscience, and even though he punishes the world, intuitively, if you look back, you've seen the series, if you look back you realise that actually he was kind to the vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I, you know, one thing that really struck me just from a personal point of view is having experienced grief myself, and I know what that thing is. I lost my parents and my sister, and when I lost my sister, you know, you see grief portrayed on in films and TV stuff, and it's, it is, you know, the RSC actress going, oh, you know. Yeah. But what you don't see, and this was really amazing to me, and it really struck a chord, was... The banality of it you yeah. know like I, re- I thought oh my god that was me like there's a bit where Tony 
he gets a glass and he can't be bothered to even wash the dishes. He just gets a glass and he pours cereal into yeah. it. And I thought, no, that felt so familiar. It's just, it's a lack of self-care. Yeah, I've got, I've got to stay alive, but I'm not going to wash a dish up first. <laughs> well, that's, that's boring. You know, he can't, he can't wait to, can't wait to get drunk every night so he doesn't fear and sleep and all these things to get him through. And he's got to do stuff. He's got to work to get money to buy drink. To uh, and the dog becomes part of that because again, well, the I'm... dog saves his life really yeah, because the uh, um, yeah, he loves he loves the dog and and he's just spotted someone. I say someone. See, I see it as like running into a mate. I don't. Yeah, oh, there's What's a that one, dog. Ricky? Is that a retriever? That's a retriever. Gorgeous, aren't they? Classic. Yeah, there's there's a couple of bits where you're he's conscious that the dog is. The dog is basically a reminder of, it's a routine. It's a sense yeah. of, right, okay, we've got to start the day again. Yeah, you can't, you know, he's, just because he's suffering, yeah. the dog's innocent. Yeah. So the dog's got to go for a walk and all those things. And yeah, and, and, uh, and also his grief takes him places. He, he's, you know, he's, he's free falling and he's trying stuff. Um, and so, you know, he meets people he wouldn't have met when he had a happy home life, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of about think, that. But I mean, we should also say it's very funny as well. That's yeah, like... I don't, exactly. I mean, I think I think it, the uh, the high concept hits you first. Imagine if you had nothing to lose mm. and you could start saying and doing what you want, and that's a funny high concept. And that came first. Yeah. Oh, Be careful. Hold on to me. You're it's on like, the ante. Ante. <laughs> like, we're on walking. the ice. Oh, we're on the ice now. This like fucking Bambi. I've got no flexibility <laughs> anymore. It's like I've got fake legs because I can't bend my knees. You were like um, Gemma Collins dancing on the ice. <laughs> that was amazing. There's no reason she went down. There was no cause to that. She's going along and then straight down. I, 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 there was no slip or it's like she just gave up on life. Someone put my laugh over it. <laughs> They keep doing that. They did it on an episode of like Big Bang Theory. Like a then meme they did thing, it. yeah. Yeah, they did it with Fred. They do it, they my laugh, like, because it's, it's so <laughs> visceral. Like, it's like, it's an explosion. So they put it over things that they think aren't, you know, funny or shouldn't be laughed at. That's so funny. Um, yeah, that's the... Yeah, that's so we were saying, so this show, it's, it is really funny. And that's, I think, what I like about it is that the real belly laugh is, is the sort of... It's the tension, I suppose, between the two for well, me. We're also vicariously living through um, uh, a man who can do anything, and we want to do yeah. that. We'd, the reason we don't do that, like, you know, when he's confronted by the mugger, he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. We, d we, give our, we give our money over because we won't have a baby in a stroller. Yeah, he, yeah. When he thinks, well, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. I'll do what I want now. If you can say, if you've got nothing to lose, you're free. And so I think we live through that and we, we, you know, and as long as his targets are funny and justified or, you know, we go, yeah, that's annoying. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, I, I think that we understand why he's hurt. And he's funny because he was always funny, you know, and, and I think someone being angry is funnier than someone trying to be funny. Yes, I think An that's true. An angry person yeah. is funnier yeah. than someone... A, a clown is yeah. not funny at all. Yeah. Well, it's the Michael Caine rule of, in order to play drunk, you have to pretend try and be exactly. sober, isn't yeah. it? You know. Yeah. And so if you're if you're watching someone, you they, they they don't think they're funny. They're fucking angry, and that makes us laugh. If that's a mate, imagine seeing a mate getting angry. 
Yeah. It's funny because we know him. <laughs> we know, her, you know. Well, that, but that's always been, a th- you know, with David Brent. That was his of lack course. of self-awareness. And, yeah. You know, Andy Millman, I suppose, in extras. Had it's it. sort of the opposite. Yeah. So he's he was a, knowing and. Yeah, Andy hated it. Yeah. So that's funny. So he's angry. He knows his life. He is knows shit, too and much. And he's angry. Yeah. And yeah. that's funny as well. Yeah. Self-awareness. If you don't like what you see. Oh look, Ricky. Oh, the mother so load. <laughs> The mother load. So how many are here? Seven, would you oh, say? Oh, look at that. Oh, a little Cup. Frenchie. A little that, uh, the Frenchie doodle. was a dog, by the way. Yeah. Uh, look, oh, look at that. that. Hello. 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 Hello, gorgeous. That looks like a Norfolk or a... Uh, that one. Oh, What's that? Boston. I think that's a Tibetan terrier. Oh, Tibetan terrier. Yeah. Oh, what's happened to this one? Oh, she's a savage. Yeah, yeah she's, she's been a little... Hello. Oh, I thought that was her breed, a savage. <laughs> Look at that one. I like those ones, Ricky, border terriers. Yeah, oh yeah, they're great, aren't they? They're like, really nice. A little stoic faces. Yeah, really sweet, like 1940s, I think. Yeah, exactly, stiff up the lip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at Anne, it's really raining now. I know, come on, we're going to head back. I know, but we've had such, I'm having such a nice chat with you, and I, yeah, I'm really... It was. It's an amazing piece of work, I think, and I... Yeah, it's got a lot of flavours, because it's, it's, you know... I suppose it's like, it's quite real, there's still that realism there. Um, you know, it's funny, people talk about feminism a lot, and, but I think you practice that, and it's not about wearing a T-shirt or something, it's about the fact that you, I think you do support women a lot. I mean, I'm not saying you're doing a conscious virtue signalling thing, but you really create well-rounded, brilliant characters and roles yeah, for do. women. I do. I, I've, I've, uh, I've never liked that, um, women as props. No. It's for the men to be the funniest person. And uh, and also, you know, I've, I've, I do I do do the you know uh, women as adults or women uh, men as boys because yeah. it's funny and it's true. But I sometimes reverse that. I sometimes have a woman that's a complete arsehole as well. <laughs> and you mix you mix and, and match it. And you know when you've got the I often because I know I've been in the business for so long now. I know people they come into my head. The actor and the actress comes into my head when I think of an idea. Really? Think, right. Because then you can play on the physicality and you know what they can do if they're good ad libbers or if they're good. So um, you put together the perfect cast as you're writing it. And that's why the second series of something is usually the best, because you know who you're writing for. If you do a first series and then cast it, you it's often written before you've cast. Whereas I, I sort of like to make that a sort of uh, you know, a symbiotic relationship. And uh, did you write this on your own, Ricky, or do you yeah. have a co-writer? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, um, uh, on my own. But then again, you know, because they've got a great cast, you still workshop it. Um, and uh, even though I get, I've always got final edit, but when you get final edit on a TV show or a film, there's still 60 people involved. Yeah. So, um, which is different to stand-up. You know, that is truly auteured, and that's just you on stage, and anything can happen. So... You love stand-up, though, don't you? I do. You? I fell back in love with it after humanity. It's a privilege. Do you think so? It's an absolute privilege, particularly with what's going on in the world, yeah. to fight against this erosion of free speech because people are having their feelings hurt and they think they have the right to shut you down because they don't like what you're saying. Every day I have an argument on Twitter what freedom of speech is, you know? Yeah. People will say something stupid like, well, Hitler had free speech. Yeah, it wasn't what he said, was it? <laughs> it wasn't so much what he said. <laughs> You fucking moron. But then I know that you come from a position of being liberal, yeah. as I say, having being a fe- I would see you as a feminist yeah. in the way you live and work. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see the, uh, how 
people change what was positive into negatives. Like yeah. how, how uh, feminism is that you think women are equal to men. How, how, how can that be twisted? How can that be? Oh, feminist, are you? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the, but what I'm saying is I know that you come from that position, which yeah. is why when you say stuff, I think, well, I know Ricky's, what Ricky's doing here. I suppose, and as you always well, say, I, I, the subjects, you know, it's, it's not... Well, when do you, you talk- know why? Because um, over the last few years, when it's fallen into two tribes, people don't look at an argument anymore, they look at who's saying it. Right. And it's so, it's so vehement now, people, uh, you know, that, uh, they, they both feel they're right, they both feel they're... Um, they're the oppressed one and, and all that sort of stuff, right? So I tweet things like, I am a typical lefty, liberal, uh, uh, you know, um, anti-racist, da-da-da-da, feminist, da-da-da-da-da, right? Um, snowflake. But whenever I tweet about freedom of speech, I'm suddenly alt-right. Yeah. And that's because... But why have the alt-right seized freedom of speech? That's what I find because, odd. Because the liberal left are now the authoritarian left. Because they're fighting a... So, now they've got, they, they think they've got a crackdown, you know? Mm. Uh, and so it's very... It, it's, there's no such thing as left and right anymore. No. There's, there's extreme and rational. Uh, well, I suppose my point is, so when you make a joke about equal pay at the Golden Globes... Yeah. ...which is hilarious, and yeah. what, remind me what you said well, again, uh, it was about Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, wasn't it? Oh, you well, said? I said, uh, um, just like <laughs> to say, it was at the height of, like, getting men... Uh, uh, getting paid more than women and I said I'd to say that I'm getting paid exactly the same as Tina and Amy did last year I know there was two of them but it's not my fault if they want to share it so uh, <laughs> but my point is that's a brilliant joke thank you in the sort of Homer it's funny because it's true way yeah but, but oh, no I'm not saying that was true but you know it's funny because you're acknowledging something which is an issue yeah so I'm 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 standing up for it you are and then then flipping it like I'm on the side because I'm the advantaged one and I won but my so, point yeah. is that you making that joke is very different to some old chauvinist of course. making that joke. Of course. Well, it's so, all context. It is yeah. context. And that's why our irony is being eroded, because, um, uh, like, 15 years ago... Which way, Ricky? Should we go this uh, way? Yeah, we can go that way, yeah. yeah. So 15 years ago, I do that, that Alf Garnet style, I'm saying the wrong thing, and yeah. everyone got it. But now, people have realised that half the world really are like that. Mm. Now these extremists, these uh, racist, anti, uh, you know, gay people are out and proud suddenly. Yeah. So people worry about laughing at irony because it's if it's good irony, it looks like the real thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's no reason not to do it because you shouldn't water down irony because some people won't get it. That yeah. You'll do some anodyne, you know. I, I, as well, as I long as some I'm... people get it, then it's gettable. Um, yeah, so it's like um, uh, safe spaces in university. Uh, I saw a great um, lecture, this guy saying, uh, th- th- you don't want to take I'm not going to pave the jungle for you. Mm. People to say horrible things. And guess what? You can say them back. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 it's crazy that you're trying to, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I'm all for a welfare state, but, you know, you've got to, You've got to just toughen up. The, the, the world is a, is a harsh place. Mm. And you, you, you haven't got the right to have no one say anything you don't agree with. 
it's crazy. It's maybe, it is a generational thing as well. You know, I guess for younger people, their experience is different. And I sometimes think as well, in a way, they're open to more sort of danger, you know, like they have the internet, which we didn't have. And Well, I think that's the problem because, you know, you get worked up uh, on Twitter and you think the world is people arguing about being woke and things like this and identity policy. And you go to the real world and no one's changed. It hasn't, hasn't had an effect. It's just, it's, uh, it's like when you're 16, you read The Enemy and you think these are the biggest <laughs> bands in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 then the world hasn't really changed that much in terms of attitude and it's gonna, you know. I had a question for you, which was in your, in Afterlife, Ricky. Yeah. Paul Kay, who's a great actor. He's great, isn't he? He plays a therapist. Yeah. And he's a bit of a prick. The character he, is he a bit plays, of a prick. the therapist a... is, is just a bit of an arsehole. Yeah. He's a negative character in a way, and he's He's not, a narcissist. He's a narcissist. You know, there's one bit when he's on Twitter and he's having an argument with a medical student. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 I wanted to, you know, that uh, this is probably not the best person for you to go to, but they're in, they're in everywhere. There's no reason why the same percentage of everything isn't in psychiatrists. Some are going to be narcissists, some are going to be kind, some are going to be right wing, left wing. Um, how do you feel about therapy? I've What's never been. Yeah. I've never been. Um, I, I luckily, I, and it is luck, yeah. I've, never, I've never really suffered from, you know, any mental illness or depression or... Uh, uh, or maybe, I don't know, maybe slightly. Uh, we've all got our things and uh, I, I'll, um, I'll straighten a painting <laughs> as I walk past. But it's not, it doesn't get in the way of my life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And... and uh, yeah, I think that's when it. I think that's what you know when it starts interfering with your normal life that you you have to you know confront it. And of course, I get fed up and I've gone through grief and all that. You know, like, you know, it's the same as anywhere when a, yeah. a family member dies or something. And that's. Uh, but no, I, I haven't had those. Uh, Do you cry sort of easily? Are you? Uh, not uh, um, only a, a sort of fiction and nice things. Like a, a you know a YouTube clip of a soldier coming home to see his dog, I'm I'm done. Um, Lion gets reunited with previous owner. Of course. Hello. I'm there. I mean, oh. I'm there. Yeah, I, I I am a sucker for those sob stories. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I cried at the Waltons. You know, <laughs> I, I cry at someone being nice. Right. I think what a lovely, you know, and I think with in fiction. We create our own heroes and villains as role play for the soul. So when people watch them and they're laughing or they're crying, that's real. Just because the thing they're watching isn't real, yeah. you still feel it. You go through all those same emotions. And I think that's the best thing about fiction, that you can make someone, a stranger, laugh and cry. That's amazing. Amuse them, yeah. Yeah. I suppose you're someone who... I just think of you as quite good-natured. And I've never seen you lose your temper for example, you know? Uh, like, I've ne- I, I don't think of you as someone... What, what with that bloke trying to get across the zebra crossing? <laughs> well, if that's, if that's I mean, as bad I'm as... I literally left my door. <laughs> if that's I, as... I don't lose my temper when I'm in my nice house. I go out to meet real people and I'm fucking <laughs> furious immediately. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no I'm, I'm not. You know, as I say, I've always been happy. I do my own thing. I think people confuse um, my persona at the Golden Globes yeah, or my yeah. persona on stage or the characters I play, like, that's me. That, you know, you don't, you don't, th- you don't think that in, you know, 
anything else. It's, it's what they know of you. So um, they and don't know me. They don't, you know, so. Do you think Jane as well? I think that's part of why you're so sorted. Do you know what oh, I mean? I, when, um, so Just being when, in a long-term relationship. When we worked uh, in the same place for a while, we both worked at Yulu. Um, Jane got a job on reception, got me a job on oh, reception. At university, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd have the same sense of humour. And then people, when they got to know Jane, they'd say to me, oh, I thought you were an arsehole. But then I met Jane and we thought we couldn't be. <laughs> so She's your human Yeah, shit. exactly. They thought, they thought, well, she wouldn't go out with an arsehole. So, oh, it's irony. <laughs> oh, he says... He says these things as jokes. We get it now. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just that stability has, I think, must be oh, really important when your life changes so dramatically. Exactly. And, and, and so it's, in it, Hollywood. It, it, it and doesn't. It's a, it's a. It's a buffer. As I said, I'm 39. I've got all my same values. Can we just say he's uh, not 39 now? No, not 30. <laughs> no, no. When I became famous. Yeah. I'm already. I was already middle-aged. <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> with a, as a stable relationship, same family, same friends, yeah. same values. What changed? A bit more money. Yeah. Just you because know. it's really glamorous. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah. I get up and I think I've got to do a job today. It, it, it's odd. This uh, story sort of sums me up. <laughs> I remember when we were like uh, sort of 12, 13, uh, and it was early 70s, yeah. and uh, there was a big thing in the paper about. The oil rigs. Remember, like guys were going to work on the oil rigs, right? And we had a lesson on it, right? Because in, uh, in the Daily Mirror or something, it was uh, these workers, these labourers, yeah. right, earning a thousand pounds a day. And the teacher said, "Oh, um, what would you do if you earned a thousand pounds a day?" And the kids were saying, "I'd buy a Rolls Royce." And it came to me, and I said, "I'd work one day a week." <laughs> <laughs> but you could earn seven. I go, I, no, I'm fine. I'll spend it on the other six days. I had that attitude right, from early right. on. Well, what's the point of having so much money you can't, you can't enjoy it or spend it? So whatever I'm doing, my, my admin day, I finish, I work out. Let's cross here with I have a bath. Auntie. You're I, quite into your cleanliness, Ricky. I have but two baths. I think it's because it's still a luxury to me. Because growing oh. up, I could only have like one bath a week. Yeah. So now I can have two baths a week. I do. Two baths and then a I feel, week. Then a I feel guilty. Sorry, two baths a day, right? <laughs> but then I feel guilty about the environment. So I think, oh, I should stay in there a long time. And that's when it started with me doing <laughs> selfies in the bath. I thought, I've got to stay in here until the water's cold. Otherwise, I'm decadent. <laughs> I'm like a Roman emperor. Two baths a day. My vice. To, to, what's his vice? He loves dogs and he has two baths a day. Do you make Jane share the water as well? I, I remember that. was that. an old thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but my mum used to go last. She'd jump in, she'd go, I'll jump in. <laughs> so I, I, I had I had the I first love the bath. sound of your mum. I, I got out of the bath by the time she jumped in. Could I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a weird family. So you've got like loads of nephews and nieces. Yeah, and... <laughs> so I tweeted what I said. Um, I was going to leave my fortune to animals after I die, but I've decided to do it before <laughs> I die so I can see the look on my family's stupid faces. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because you and Jane don't have kids which I know isn't news to you but I don't have kids and you get asked a lot in interviews oh why don't you have kids and I would never ask you that because I get slightly irritated when people ask me that you once said to me and again you won't remember this years ago again I would have been 
can't remember, it was in my sort of early 30s or something, and I, I said someone had kept asking me that, and you gave me a piece of advice, which I've used, which is you said, just say, why did you have kids? Yeah. You brought a life into the world. Yeah. You've got to have a good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. But I do this in humanity where I break down the three reasons that I have kids yeah. and it goes, it goes a bit <laughs> mental. But uh, then people sort of get it. I think they understand it. That's what comedy, you have to exaggerate it. You have to yeah. scream a point for, for everyone to slightly get it. Yeah. And the, and the more subtle and odd the point is, the Thank louder you. you have to shout, you know. How's it going? Right, yeah, good, man. I like that. That was like you'd set that up to sound sort of the earth man of the people. Yeah, exactly. Like you paid that, and he probably the, the, got, he pulled over and went, do you think that went okay, love? I did, yeah. I did uh, both voices. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what look at Auntie. Auntie, thank you. We're nearly home, Auntie. Oh, Auntie. Have you had a lovely oh, look, time? that's our Sartoria <laughs> Napolitaia. Yeah. David Brent. I know, exactly. What exactly. was the clothes shop, David Sergio Brent? Sergio Giorgini. Yeah, Sergio Giorgini. Yeah. I got that, a tie I got, had a made up, yeah, like, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Michela Armuni. And I just think, it doesn't matter. This, this tie is five quid made by a child in a factory, right? You don't need to make me think, oh, is it Italian? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, we're going this way. Is it the next one, Ricky? Yeah, we can go, go there, yeah. Oh, it's so nice around here. I love it. And you don't get ha sort of hassled really around no, here, do you? No, not at all. Everyone. Do you get, because you have a place in New York as well. Yeah. So do you spend, I mean, this isn't a sort of burglar's guide, but you spend some, some time over there, don't as you? As much as we can, yeah. We um, uh, go over, you know, a few times a year. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I try and do everything out of New York in America, just because it's a long way to LA, so, and I'm, I'm usually in the middle of something. As I say, I'm doing three things at once. Yeah. So my trip to New York is during writing or touring or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, Jane's a writer, isn't she? So Jane's a novelist. So her... Her ninth novel, it's crazy. I know. I've never it's written that many moment, words in it? my life. That's that 100,000 words. It's too much. I, can't, I don't think I could do it again. I did it recently. And just the discipline, just the amount, and then checking, and she checks it and she reads yeah. it loads of time. I can't even <laughs> read a novel because I haven't got the patience or the time, let alone write one. And funny because um, uh, I sort of say that Afterlife is sort of like a televised novel, yeah. but without writing the novel. <laughs> Someone can do that for I you went, now. <laughs> uh, exactly, I went straight to televising my novel. Exactly, yeah. Someone can novelise you, can't they? They can just, yeah. Because um, you've always said you've only read one book, Catcher in the Rye, is yeah. that true? Catcher in the Rye, when I was 28, yeah. Um, I've, I, I've got, oh no, fiction. I read lots of books. I've got oh, three books on the go, but they're all non-fiction. They're all science books or sociology books or something. Uh, yeah. And you've got, you've got a tour, you're doing dates at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, just started doing warm-ups for Supernature. For the next, uh, Supernature, and is that going to be Netflix as well? Uh, that's, they've already bought it, yeah, but I'm going to tour it first, so... Uh, but you're always working with you, that's the thing, is that the stand-up thing, a lot of people, because you got famous through The Office, or you got successful, I hate the word famous, you became successful through The Office, and through extras, and you had a Hollywood career. So it interests me that a lot of people in your position, they wouldn't have gone on the road doing like a 
hen and chickens. Do you know what I mean? Going doing an intimate well, gig and doing stand-up. A yeah. lot of people. I mean, things have changed though. I think that that was true. Yeah. And I remember 15 years ago, Jerry Seinfeld saying to me and um, Chris Wright, "Why do you want to do movies? You're a stand-up." And now really? he's right because now there's no guarantee. There's no movies anymore. You know, no one watches terrestrial TV, and it's like. Uh, but but people have still got to pay to go and see a stand-up, and they do. Yeah. And um, you know, it's hello. How's it going? No, it's for a podcast I'm doing. This is the this is Aunt who's in my show. See who that was? Who? John Moss from Culture Club. Do you know? Yeah. I ran into him. I did uh, Dynamo, who lives around here. Oh yeah, he used to yeah yeah oh, over there. I took Dynamo for it's like a one dog. of those LA tours. <laughs> 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 I took Dynamo for a walk. He's got a Newfoundland, I know. the Peter Pan dog, and Supervet um, cured his dog. Or I think he had an operation. So, but I ran into John Moss before, and I was very starstruck because yeah, he lives around this yeah, man. Uh, we uh, he's, he walks every day with Casper. We love Casper. Oh, Casper, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ricky, I'm really sorry. It's been raining the whole time, and you've that's been right. so on LA it about it. It hasn't bothered me. If, if someone get Because, you know, some people have the argument that, well, look, if you're the turn, so if you're filming Afterlife and you're doing a scene, a set-up here, which I think you do actually film near yeah. this cemetery, because yeah, I, I recognise yeah, it. Derek. Derek, yeah. 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 Um, it's when he meets his dad, I think. Yeah, this, that's yeah. right. Um, and it's raining and you're... And someone brings you a coffee and they get you a flat white instead of a cappuccino. How do you react? Uh, who, uh, who is it? It's a runner. Um, I, 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 they, I, first of all, I'd give them, I'd punish them physically. <laughs> like, no, I'd, 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 you know what? Honestly, yeah. I'd probably drink it and not say anything because I don't want to be that guy. Right. I, I, I'd go the other way. <laughs> My rights have been taken away from me because I don't want, because everyone's, everyone's got a phone straight on YouTube, me having a meltdown. I can't even send my, I can't send my suit back if there's a slug in it. Because I don't want that, I think it's a setup. This waiter has got... <laughs> a slug? Yeah. I like that you'd have to People actually People can wind me up. Not if they, fly. If, if, if they've got a mobile phone on them, they can do anything and I can't answer back. <laughs> do you know what? The mobile phone is the, the Jiminy Cricket, isn't it? Of the... Well, being famous, yeah. it's sort of like Big Brother is watching you. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, not that I ever do anything illegal or terrible, but, um, yeah. <laughs> no, you do all that on stage. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm much nicer and quieter <laughs> and shy. I'm not shy, but you know what I mean. No, you're not. But being famous quieted me down. Like, I would go yeah. into a room and show off and try and make people laugh. But now I'm famous, I don't have to do that anymore. Well, I it's have my that, day off. Yes, I have that theory. It's a bit like, you know, I always think um, it's the look at me gene, I always call it, that some people have, and you need an outlet for it. Once you find an outlet... I guess so, you, yeah. I think it's fine, and that stops you being a pain in the arse for your friends. I guess so, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and not everyone has it, in which case it's fine. Well, Simon Amstel said an interesting thing. He said when he sees a really handsome stand-up, he goes, yeah. what are you doing that for? People are already looking at you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be handsome and sexy and cool and be a stand-up or be funny. You just can't. It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
I think that's a brilliant place on which to leave it. Jerry which, Seinfeld said two yeah. things you can um, <laughs> never have if you're a stand-up. He said a tan and abs. I love the idea of me getting a tan and having abs. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Ricky. It was great fun to do. And of course, if you want to see Auntie in the Flesh, you can check out Afterlife on Netflix, which is out today, March the 8th. I also wanted to let anyone who enjoys this podcast know that I've actually written a book about my dog Raymond, which comes out this week too. It's on the 7th of March and it's called Everybody Died, So I Got a Dog. And the title sort of says it all, really. It's about how I lost my family and how I was helped through it all with my beautiful Shih Tzu called Raymond who some podcast regulars might be familiar with. It's published by Hodder and it's available at Amazon and all good bookshops. Why do people always say all good bookshops? Like there are bad ones. But do check it out as I'd love to know whether you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, by the way, about the book and order a special signed illustrated book plate to go with your copy, you can go to my brand new website, which is called emily-dean.co.uk. I've always wanted a hyphen in my name. Happy dog walking.